You're listening to the O Balls Podcast in association with Peninsula Prints for all your bespoke t-shirt and clothing prints. Welcome to the Old Balls podcast with Chris, Paul, and this week our special guest Dan Clark. How are we, boys? Yeah, fantastic, mate. MC Good. Daniel Clark, my friend, my golf pal. Although he hasn't played with me for ages, don't know why. I think I must stink or something, but he keeps giving yeah, me excuses be- about about work and university and stuff. So because you beat me every time we play with your handicap, mate. So I need to uh, <laughs> I need to come down first before uh, before I play you again. I know our local um, bandit. Yeah. Speaking of handicaps, um obviously we now have the new world handicap system, don't we? Um I don't know whether you two have logged in and found out yours. My I don't know whether you, you know how it works, Chris. Basically, what they do, obviously, in years gone by. You had a and you had a handicap, didn't you? So I don't know, twenty point one, and then it comes down point three, point two, whatever. Okay. Now how it works is, but that was relatable. That 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 could only be changed at your golf club, couldn't it? Obviously, you know, in competitions, and it yeah. could only go up or down in competition. Um, and to gain your handicap, there you have to be free free at your golf club, and then so on. Now how it works is they've tried to introduce a system. To that is the same across the whole world because in the previous system you had like one index, one sort of handicap system in say Britain, then one in Australia, one in whatever. What they've tried to do, and to be fair, it remains to be seen whether it's successful. But they've, they've introduced the world handicap system, which basically you could you Danny's going to Portugal with his mate, he can use it in Portugal, and nice. I use I'm going to. If I'm going to the States, I can use it in the States. You go to Cyprus, you can use it in Cyprus. The idea is you have an index number that relates to you. And what they do is at every single golf club now, everywhere, they have a board on the first tee. Danny, please stop me if I'm wrong here, but this is what I've read up. They have a board on the first tee and it's got, I don't know. So it's got um, it's got all the indexes down the side. So north to 0.9. One to say 1.9, know what I mean? Well, like that, whatever. And then you go to obviously, then it has like the white tees, the competition tees, then the yellow tees, then the ladies' tees. And you find yourself on the index thing. So I'm in 15.7. You go along and it says, right, off the yellows, you play off. I print in off the, off the winter blues, it says I play off 17. On the yellows, it says that I play off 18. And on the whites in competition, it says a playoff 19. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I experienced this for the first time at the show at the beginning of the month, just as the new World Handicap System come into play. And it was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. Um, obviously, Lee Show is a more difficult club, well, difficult course to what Preton is, according to the, the slope rating. So... When on the board, obviously, it's it, as Paul said, it's got 
everyone's handicap and then what you play off at that particular course. And it was a lot easier to work out than what I expected it to be, which is obviously a good sign going forward. It's uh, basically what happens is every club, Chris, is is has a slope rating of difficulty. Yeah, so that's what yeah. they do. They use they use the slope rating. So, at, obviously we've got yeah. obviously we've got friends we've got friends at Bromborough, yeah, Ollie yeah. and Ray and Jay, Dan. When the world when the index was coming in and we were all logging in to find out what our what our, our own index was, they already had the slope rating for Bromborough, you see, and what it was going to be, what you were going to play off, say the yellows and the whites. So and my my index had came through. First it said 24.2, and then it said 19.6, then it said 12.2, and then it settled for four days on 15.7. So I was able to look, oh, yeah, okay. So Apromre, Prentons hadn't came out yet. So I was able to look and go, right, the slope rating on the yellows there is 136. Apromre, on the yellows, I play off 18. Okay? Yeah. And then, and if I was to play on the whites in competition, Apromre, um, which I'm assuming is another thing they're going to do, going to be able to do with the new World Index thing is, because you have a slope rating and everyone's got an index that's relatable to any golf course in the world, any they're going to be able to have a lot more open competitions. Because right, so with regards to that, do you have to be a member of the club to have this? Or, Joe, like, now that I'm not a member of Frodham, is my handicap now nil and void until I am now a member again? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't society. know the answer. If you play with the society, so I play with the BR society, which is obviously a local pub to us, and they give me a handicap separate to my club handicap. My I have a BR handicap based on how I played with them at, at particular different competitions. So I'm not 100% sure on this, but I think it'll be the same sort of thing. So my BR handicap, I will look at the board that is on the first tee and judge it from that. Yeah. I'm yeah. That's that, what will happen going forward. I guess, I, guess, I mean, it's a great question now, Chris. I, to be honest, I didn't think of that today, that you've, you're not a member anywhere now. I probably could have asked Jamie that. Um, I might drop him a text in a minute, actually, whilst whilst we're on. Um, but I, 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 would, I assume that you've obviously got to have scores in at a, at a course to get a handicap index. But... Yeah. There must be there must be millions of people in the world who play golf who don't who aren't at a club and just play socially with the friends. So I guess I guess let's just say me, you and Danny went out now. I'd be letting you play off twenty four at Prenton. Obviously, if you're playing socially with your mates, you know common sense. I would say Chris, you you should probably play off twenty four. Do you know what I mean, Danny? Yeah. Danny would probably say that my hand. Danny's always said for the last five months I've played all my golf with Danny. He said I should be playing off eighteen. Yeah, and now to be honest, I'm gonna be effectively, um, yeah. you know, and obviously I've improved a lot, but um, I've got a fighting I, chance now. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't. I honestly, I don't know the answer to that question, but I am gonna text Jamie in a minute. Um, but yeah, I guess so. So one one of the things that's really that is really impressive about the World Handicap, you know, system for me is I told Danny this the other week. Me and Danny go and play a fair few different courses and stuff, you know what I mean? We go, you know, I play at Penham Park and obviously 
I, I, I definitely play lots of different courses, maybe not all the time with Danny, but the good thing is, let's just say me and Danny went and played Penn and Park tomorrow. We can hand our score in at that, at, we can sign those, hand them scores in at that golf club. And that golf club has to put those scores using our unique world index number on the system. And overnight, our index will change. Overnight. That's better, isn't it? Because it, obviously when I was a member of Frodium, it was only Frodium that we could do. And I was playing like um, yeah, at a park and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah. other places. And that it was pointless because no matter how well I played, I couldn't put my hand, my handicap would never come down unless I was playing at Frodium. So that, that was frustrating. So that sounds a massive improvement on, on the, the ability. Like. But it also works the other way, Chris. You know, I'm going to be honest now. Danny is a fantastic golfer. He's grew up playing it. And Danny is a, the best striker of irons of anyone that I know. I've always said that to him anyway, to be fair. But Danny's, Danny's handicap that he was in the old system that he was given a printing of seven was, was, was out of order, to be honest. I understand why they've done it, but he couldn't play to it, and that's not being disrespectful. I think Danny's no, a nine or I think Danny Danny's a nine or a ten handicapper, you know, and I'm pretty sure he would agree. He's definitely sing, you know, just under ten or single figures, you know what I mean. But this new system, I'm sure Dan, you play off Prent now like five. Wow. Yeah. Um, so my oh, on. handicap. Is, I'm sure it's five, four or five. I haven't really checked recently, mate, to be honest. Right. Obviously, we've not been able to play. I've, there's, there's a new app, right, called My EG, My England Golf, right? So if you download it, it's got all your, it's, it's got all your, uh, your, your, your index and stuff there, right? If you go on the last That's page, true. go on your last play, page, World Handicap Course Handicap Calculator, right? You can type in any golf course in England. It's only in England. Obviously, there'll be a there'll be a Welsh version. Type in any golf course, and I put in Prent in there, and so automatically it uses my index, right? I don't know if you can see. Uses my index that I've got and tells me off the yellows nineteen, men's whites nineteen, winter blues seventeen, men's black sixteen. So it tells you, no matter where you go, if I was to put in, where did we all play last year? Hawkstone. Yeah. Yeah. Hawkstone Park Championship course comes up. Blue, men's blue, 18. Men's white, 18. Men's yellow, 18. Men's red, 16. That's really good, isn't it? Because that's a very quick reference. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I, obviously, I don't know your handicap, Dan. Uh, but I'm I'm sure I worked it out that you'll be playing a Prenton off like five, which is yeah. Well, I mean, I'm gonna I've downloaded that app. I'll have a little, obviously I'll set it up. Um, obviously once we're finished, and I'll, I'll have a little look and send it over. But yeah, it's, I, I, it's been unfair at my home course because I've now been cut to to a lower handicap than what I was struggling off in the first place. But it just means I've got an, got to try and improve my game. Well, yeah, no, I, I get that. And, and we obviously all try and improve. But what I would say is the good thing about being able to play any course anywhere and hand a score in, no matter how good or bad you play right now, they, they're encouraging everyone to hand all scores in, obviously for the next year at least, because obviously then it's going to stabilise, isn't it? You know, if people have been absolutely stung and they're scoring 20 points everywhere they go, 
and clearly the handicap that's being given to them by the system is wrong, isn't it? So that's why they want everyone handing scores in everywhere. And I think I, I think I read yesterday that every golf club is responsible. If you hand your if you hand your score into a golf club, you're you're leaving it then with them. To your you're you're leaving it in their responsibility to upload that score. And you'd be able to see it anyway, wouldn't you, within 28, 48 hours anyway? Because if you went on your on your app and nothing's changed, you'd be like, Well, I know that it changes overnight, so why haven't they entered my score? Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, finally, it's like any new system, isn't it? There probably is going to be teething problems with it, um, as everyone's getting used to it. But once, once, as you say, over the next year or so, and it stabilises, it will be a better system and a more more appropriate system. Um, yeah. Now, as Chris said before, about not being a member anywhere, I think it'll benefit him as well if he can do that at different clubs. Yeah, definitely, mate. Yeah. I think, I think, I, I haven't texted Jamie, but I guess, let's just say, uh, I, I see, I was just thinking then, let's just say you went and played twice at Preddon, one at Bromborough, one at Arrow Park. You couldn't hand score, you couldn't hand the point scoring, could you? Because you wouldn't have a base, a base handicap to have scored your points off. I guess you must just hand strokes in. You must just hand strokes in, mustn't you, everywhere you go and not points. Every golf course you play off, you must hand strokes in, right? Yeah. And then obviously that's how your handicap will fall. You do have a yeah. handicap number though, Chris. You've definitely got a handicap number. Yeah, so uh, we've not been a, um, a member there now. I'm, you probably know a lot more than me and you probably tell me after this is finished, but I don't know where to find it. I'll, I'll be honest. I've never You'll be on been... a database somewhere, mate, guaranteed. Yeah. Because I'm yeah, sure, like I, I only got my original. I never brought it down or went up or anything. So it, it never changed. I think it was 27 or something. My original one I was given. So 27.1 was the last time I seen yours. Yeah. So whether it's still that or whether it it's non-existent anymore, I don't know to be honest. Yeah. Well, no, of course, no, of course it exists. Absolutely, it exists. Once you're on the database, mate, that's it. Um, so yeah. You know that's that's sort of uh, that's sort of the index system. Um, I did want to. We're, we're going to get on to the Masters because obviously, what a, an unbelievable um, four days that was. Um, I was on nights, so I wasn't seeing the finish of each round. I was seeing sort of two, three o'clock to you know sort of six, and then when I got, a, I always get my first break about half seven, eight. Do you know what I mean? So I was seeing. I see most of it. Um, first thing I'll ask you is, who did you back to win, and where did they come? Um, I had two. I had Dustin Johnson. Um, of course, you did. Going in. You I I always thought I always thought going into it, he was he was playing the best golf. He's just super consistent, and he's just. The way the way he he plays golf was just perfect for for August. The way it was set up with it being a bit softer, he could attack flags. His drives were just going to go long and stop in the fairways. He wasn't going to get anyone into any danger. Um, so I, yeah, I backed Dustin Johnson, and then I had Till Hatton. Um, I thought he was playing quite well, but unfortunately he missed the cut. So it was all on Dustin for me. Which I mean, it couldn't have gone any better, could it? Are you say about just um, Dustin Johnson? 
He's a he's a great fader, isn't he, Dan? Um, of the ball, and as you say, you know he. But but on the flip side of that, he had to he had to use a lot of shots that aren't normally his. Obviously, you can play them all because you don't get to number one in the world, but aren't not his normal shape. So his the fade the the fade the left you know aiming it left and bringing it right. That's his natural shot, isn't it? And when you look at it on like the shot trace, it just looks phenomenal. But he had to play a lot of shots. Excuse me. He had to play a lot of shots with the with a draw around, you know, big trees and stuff. And a lot of the stuff as well that like you don't realise at Augusta, I didn't realise till this year. Very hilly. A lot of the shots are off down slopes, you know what I mean? So you you're trying to make shaped different shaped shots, but you're not on flat ground. Obviously, you'd appreciate that more than me and Chrissy. Dan, how, how difficult is that? Um, it, it is very difficult, especially no matter what level you get to. It, it always it's always going to be very difficult to play a shot when you haven't got the perfect lie. You haven't got you know you're on different sorts of slopes. You've got to aim in di- different places than where you actually want your ball to end up. So it it is difficult. Um, Dustin Johnson does he plays with a natural fade, um, which again I think the course being softer really did help him in that sense because even if he he didn't get the shot shape he wanted it was never going too far offline so he yeah. was never getting himself into any real trouble and as I say as a professional golfer he's got the ability to to change his shot shape okay not as probably as good as a lot of players going to play in a draw but he has got that ability something that I noticed that I've had balls up on the commentary he's done He's done so much work with his wedges, and you can see it really, really come to the fore at Augusta. You know, when you when they're like they're 80, 90, 100 yards away from the green, you know, they, they said they, they were saying how much work he's put in with his wedges, and any time that he put himself, you know, where he laid up or his drive got him to a hundred yard within a hundred yards, you knew you knew that he was he was um, putting himself in a position for a birdie, and obviously. To do that at any golf course is amazing. But he was doing it on 11, 12, 13, 14. These are, these, this, this corner of the golf course is called Amen Corner. Do you know what I mean? Like this is, this is the notoriously hardest, hardest holes in golf. And he, he was giving himself birdie chances still when a lot of people were, 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 were just hoping for pars. And I guess obviously that ultimately that's why he's more, you know, it didn't get close at any point really, did it? Do you know what I mean? No, I mean, I think if you look at Dustin, he, he's just, he's so consistent. He, over the past six months, say it was after we come out of the lockdown and golf restarted, he's just been the absolute outstanding player. Um, in all, and I say on all aspects of his game, from his driving to his wedges and even his putting, his putting is, is, is absolutely phenomenal. So, I think, yeah, he, he was going to take some beating anyway. When you say consistency, I don't know whether you've seen Dan. His caddies are obviously his brother, isn't it? And they, they do something where um, his brother stands over the hole when he's going to be putting. Now, mm-hmm. there was one, I think he was, I think it was the 16th, 15th, 16th on day four, and he was doing a three-foot putt. He's five ahead doing a three-foot putt, and he's still done it. Everything was consistent. He took nothing for granted yeah, all the way through. Absolutely. Showed no emotion. And it was just 
he had eyes on the prize. He wasn't changing anything, taking nothing for granted, and it was just it was his, and he could mm. you could see that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. He say he left absolutely nothing to chance. Yeah, um, and you know he, he, he say as I say he done everything consistently well from yeah, from driving to putting, and then yeah, so he left nothing to chance and made sure he followed the same same setup for every shot. Yeah. What I would say about Dustin Johnson is. And again, this kept getting said, kept getting said. Everything seems so easy. Now, obviously, we've all played golf here to very, very different, you know, abilities. You know, me and Chris kind of started at the same time. You've obviously had no time, Chris, since moving back to Oldham and whatever. You very, very, you've played golf probably three, four times in this whole year. I've played Prenton alone 53 times this year since I joined on May the 15th. Okay. Danny obviously has played it his whole life. Do you know what I mean? Why, why are you shaking your head? Because you think I played golf, Prenton alone 53 times. <laughs> yeah, I was counting. No, I counted all the scores I had on my phone. Do you know what I mean? So I've obviously, I've obviously had my money's worth. Um, but every, you know, he makes everything look so easy. And I don't mean easy as in like you're expecting him to put it, put it like you know, two, three yards away from the pin every single time and get a birdie. Everything just looks... He, he always looks in control, I guess is what I'm saying, Dan. You know, he never... He didn't look at any point to me, and I watched him in the FedEx as well. He didn't look to me at any point like he was... Even when he messed up, that he was in danger of, of like, his head falling off. Do you know what I mean? And obviously, as an amateur or as someone very new to golf, that is something that's obviously very... Very prominent in my game, I would say. Yeah, um, something he does very well is his course management. Um, and it was very evident to Augusta that he, he just played percentage golf. You know, where where am I going to be taking my next shot from? You know, what side of the green is best? Where is the best miss? If I am going to miss it, what side of the green is best to miss it on? And he was playing some shots just to the middle of the green. And giving himself birdie chances, but was happy to get out, with, out of there with a the par and move on to the next. Yeah. Can I just ask you, Dan? I think it's the 11th. They drive up onto a top of a hill, right? And there's a pond on the left. And every single player, well, almost every player, wasn't necessarily going for the green. Or if they were, they made sure they missed, right? Is that, I mean, I'm, I'm not stupid here. Are these these decisions that the player and the caddy are actively making, i.e., we do not pull this shot left under any circumstances. We're just not we're not going in that water. So I'd rather miss right and then get have a try and get an up and down for a part of four rather than going for a birdie. Yeah, they'll be well aware of you know we, if we're going to miss this shot, the best miss is right. You know mm. we don't want to be taken on this flag because. They, they, you know, it's just you're gonna you can play yourself out out the tournament basically. You know, one bad shot there, you, you know, you're playing fourth in the fairway again. It's just, you know, and, and you're gonna to struggle to get out of there with a six then. Yeah, and, and then obviously you play in the twelfth. Yeah. Then you play in the twelfth, which is a par three with water, and then all of a sudden, you you, you know, like it can be in your head, and then obviously you, you've never seen Tiger Woods get a ten in your life, and then to be fair. He arguably played the best golf of his whole tournament. 
the five holes next because he got four out of five birdies. He was absolutely phenomenal. You can sort of see the embarrassment on his face, but he, he really proved the point. And, and you know what? I, I admire him. I, I mean, I admire Tiger anyway. He's the greatest he's ever been because he, he sort of transformed golf. He, he made it what it is today, you know, in, in the sense that he, he's took it, he's made it a lot more global. But you have to admire what he did in them last five holes, no matter how poorly he played that 10. You know, you have to admire what he's done there. Yeah, absolutely. To to see Tiger Woods get a 10, you know, it hurt me watching it because he's my idol growing up watching golf. And to see him struggling like that was. was How hard many times to watch. did he go in the water? Three. Three, yeah. I think it was three times, yeah. Oh my God, on a par um, three. Yeah, and, it's, and then obviously, he had, you know, the one we went in the bunker, he had the most horrible stance. And it was just, we're watching that. I thought there's only one way this is going to end because it was just, just a very difficult shot to play, even for the for the, the best there's ever been. And then to bounce back like he did was just, you know, it was absolutely phenomenal. I never expected that in in, in the slightest. I thought. Did he finish the tournament the under par, lads? Yeah, man, um, one under he finished. That's amazing, that because he was three over after that twelfth hole. Yeah, well, after the ten. He got birdie, par, birdie, 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 birdie. So he made five birdies and a par after that. So Yeah, he finished tied 38th. Yeah. Wow. With Paul Casey. Yeah, Paul Casey was minus one. And his last day was five over. Wow. To be honest, I uh, Phil Mickelson, I only seen him right at the end in the... Um, Coming towards the end of his fourth round, I didn't even know he was playing. I didn't think he was there. He didn't get a mention all the way. Yeah, someone we have to talk about because he's he's arguably changing or in the process of trying to change the way the game is going. You know, who I'm going to ask you about Dan. I'll give you my little take on him first, Bryson DeChambeau. Now, I I started this year. Obviously, Bryson become a lot more prominent and his name's more out there. He he won. He won the uh, was it the U.S. Open at Winged Foot, which is a, it's a so such a difficult course. He won it six under. You know the nearest player to him, I think, was even par. You know, and he said, you know, Bryson's mantra is, "I'm going to hit it as far as I can, as high as I can, over all the trees, and I may be offline, or I might not. You know, I may be in the in the rough, but I'll still only be fifty yards away from the green." That's how he plays golf, right? Now, whether you like it or not, he's obviously had some success about it. Um, but I started seeing, you know, I follow a few accounts on Twitter that your golf ones and whatever, and a lot of people don't like it. He's rubbed a lot of people up the wrong way, and maybe it's the things he says, a bit arrogant. But the thing about Bryson is he's a scientist who plays golf. He's not a golfer who's a scientist. He is a scientist. He's a professional scientist who's obviously had a love for golf and he's now using his science and his physics and everything he knows to try and improve his golf game. Right. Now, like it or lump it, that's, that's what he's doing. So why do so many people not like it? Is it because golf is such an ancient sport and such a, we do things prim and proper in, in this game that people don't like that he's trying to do something new. I for one quite like it. One thing I don't agree with is the fact that 
he's he obviously won the he obviously won the US Open, and you know great credit to him. You know he he, he won a very 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 difficult golf course. He smashed it as long as he could, and as he said, he was only fifty yards when he should be, and he kept getting up and down for pars and then the odd birdie. But he went into Nick Nick Doherty said something on on Sky's um, Sky's commentary the other day. And it really rubbed me up the wrong way. And I've been a fan of Bryson. I've given him a chance. He said, Bryson said that Augusta is a par 67 for him. And that annoyed me that. Because there's there's being confident in yourself. But that's that to me is pure arrogance. So I was kind of happy in the end that he didn't win. And I did back him to win it, by the way. He was one of my four bets. Uh, I don't know what you guys think of Bryson, but that's where I am at the moment. Just annoyed. Just got under my skin a little bit. But when you say over like the science behind it, um, I don't don't know whether you follow Rick Shields, the videos on Facebook and stuff. He had done a bit on him and um, he got a driver, a 48 inch driver, which is yeah, yeah. Along seen this episode. Yeah, yeah, so he done a bit on Shambo and um, what he was saying is well, the lad who built it for him, this 48 inch, he's got a 45 and a half. Yeah. Got a forty-eight inch. I literally watched this on um on Thursday, by the way. It's just, it's a good yeah. episode. Well, um, he reckoned that it'd give him another five mile an hour, that extra two and a half inch. Now, what's it gonna do for this lad who's Shambo's put I think it was 20 kilogram of muscle or something. He'd gone into the um, he was it was either he was going into the masters with it or that that's his plan to put on. Now, he's making himself into a monster to be able to... He's one of these drive-the-ball freaks and he, the, um, the driving range. What, what's it called? The, the like long the drive long, championship. Long drive championship, yeah. That, that's the one. He, he's one of these, isn't he? He's hit the ball as hard as you can and then hopefully not have to do a lot. Irons-wise, it's chip and puff from, from there on in, isn't it? But where do you see... Do you see golf going... 48 inch and above with the likes of drivers and stuff like that and just letting or letting tradition keep older things like that no i think tradition will stay definitely there's no way that the rna and whatever will let golf go that way i don't care what anyone says danny i know you're dying to jump in on bryson here so crack on first of all what bryson DeChambeau done in the us open at wing foot was phenomenal to watch because he took arguably one of the most difficult golf clubs there is and made it look not easy per se, but he beat everyone in the field by six shots. Yeah. You know, like him or like him or dislike him, you've got to take your hat off and say that was very well done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Golf, you know, golf is a game where a lot of people base it on technique and having a good swing and having the basics right and then moving on from there. So what a lot of people dislike about Bryson is he's sort of taken that out the window and just I'll hit it as hard as I can, get it as far as down there as I can and give myself a chance. So that's why a lot of people don't like him. Then Augusta is a different course to winged foot. So Wing foot's a bit more open, even though the rough is very difficult. There's not as many trees in your way. And obviously there's no pine straw. It is just 
just rough, which is you know the most difficult rough there is, but it's mm. a lot easier to get to the green from 100 yards than it is from 250. So that's why I think he's done so well at Wingfoot. At Augusta, as soon as he's offline, he's in he's in trouble, and that yeah. that was the problem with him, I think. Yeah, I think he. Uh, just quickly, Chris, before I let you, you go on, I think I, I, we, we still did see some unbelievable shots from Bryson at, um, at Augusta. And what I would say is, you know, he took some big knocks at Augusta, particularly on day one and two. Uh, no, probably two and three. But he really, he didn't, he, he does have a good heart. You'd have to say that. He has a good, he has a really good, you know, heart where he, he, he battles, he does battle very well. He's not like uh, Rory, obviously Rory's potential, Rory's ability is probably in the top three in the whole world, pure ability and just natural. But he's he's a crumbler, isn't he? You know what I mean? Like when, it, when he has a couple of bad ones, that's it, he is gone, which is like most of us. Well, to be fair, Bryson at no point crumbled. Obviously, he dropped shots and stuff, hence why he didn't win it. But he didn't have like a two, three, four, you know, whole spell where his head fell off. And you know, again, you have to admire that. He just, he took on a golf course that, he, he took the wrong strategy to the wrong golf course. Like Danny said, he took the right strategy to wing foot. Well, he took his strategy and the way he does things to wing foot. And he won. You know, amazing. His performance was absolutely incredible. But the let's just smash it as far as we can thing clearly doesn't work at Augusta. Um, so, you know, who's to who's to say he won't go back there next year and, and arguably win it? Because obviously the ability is all there. And he is, at the end of the day, you have to remember he's a scientist, isn't he? So he'll be analysing his own performance and stuff now more than anyone in the world because that's, well, that's what scientists do, isn't it? Um, is is that like with with Augusta? Like what I noticed on the tee blocks was how narrow it was with the trees. Now with it and the ball as ours, we can't like I myself very amateur. If you're offline slightly, you're you're going wayward, aren't you? Now is Augusta, Augusta seen as one of the narrowest fairways courses about or? See, I'm not too clued up on. So I'm not too clued up on Augusta. I know it's full of history and all this, but what is it that actually makes it as difficult? Is it narrow fairways? Is it the water? What is it? I think it's just the greens, are the hardest greens in the world. So many slopes and stuff on the greens, isn't there? And it's just, it's just impossible to read, basically. Yeah, and also, obviously, I think it was Ewan Murray um, and Butch Harmon were talking about it in commentary. The runoff areas are around the greens, so there's a lot of slopes that slope away from the greens or slope up the sides of the greens, which make it very difficult that if you don't, if you do miss the green, it's not just a straightforward chip. Or a straightforward pitch, you know, you've got to land it perfectly to get yourself close, which just again makes it so difficult. Mm. I think of something, you know, obviously Danny knows golf hell of a lot better than we do, but 
when you went, I'm one of these people, me, like when I watch golf on the telly, I listen to everything the commentators say because I want to be able to pick these little things up, you know what I mean? Obviously, to try and put into my game. Now, one thing I did notice and what I did hear them say is, obviously, this is the big, one of the biggest championships in the world, right? So naturally, and these are the best players in the world, naturally, every single day, they're going to give them the most difficult pin placements. And as Danny said, because the pins are so, because the, the, the greens are so difficult, there's so many slopes and there's so many, once you go off, once you go off the green, I was watching a lot of shots where they've overshot the green by a yard, right? And the, the player was fuming with himself. And I'm thinking, obviously, naturally at my own ability, yeah, that's not too bad. But then, then you watch Justin Thomas, who's arguably the best little chipper in the whole, in the, in, in the world, to be honest, right? His, his technique with the little chips and the little bump and runs and the ones where he hits them down and then they, they just stop. Like, they, they roll for a second and then stop. He's unbelievable at it. Like, he's the only one who made them, them little shots look easy. A lot of the players were chipping them onto the green. And if you don't get it within sort of five, six inches of a spot, it's rolling 30 foot away. You know, and another thing that they said on the on the, the telly was that you got to remember this is a this is a course that's normally played in April. Right. This this time of year, totally, totally different kettle of fish. You know what I mean? As you alluded to earlier on, Chris, they um the ball wasn't the ball wasn't bounding on. Imagine how far Dustin Johnson's drives would have been going, or John Rams, or all these guys who hit the ball far. Imagine how far the drives were going. And you know that could have changed the tournament for a lot of players. Um, so yeah, I guess it's it's it's. I think the pine trees are the biggest, the big the big killer, aren't they? You know, once you go in there, you just just so tall and wide, you just blocked, aren't you? So yeah. Yeah, with what you say with um, flag placement, and we were talking about the 16th hole when we were messaging Tom um, on the Sunday morning before it all kicked off the final day. Uh, why do you think they didn't keep it to the traditional placement for the hole on the 16th? You mean the one where they, they set it up for the hole-in-ones? Yeah, considering Johnson was only um, two, I think he was two shots ahead in that morning. I think he was, was he 16 under? Um, two, two ahead of him, I think he was. Maybe Cameron Smith. But regardless who he was ahead of, he was two, um, two ahead. Why do you think they would change it from the traditional if they could reduce that and think make I, it a bit more interesting? I think I know the answer. I'll just say this because I know Danny wanted to, when I was talking about the, the difficulty of the course, I heard, the, I heard Butch Harmon I heard Nick Doherty ask Butch Harmon this question. And Butch Harmon... Dan, am I right in saying he used to be Tiger's coach or something? Why does he know so he much did, about Tiger? Yeah. He did, yeah. He used to be his coach. Ah, well, there you go. still very good friends as well. Well, of course. Right, so he's been a massive part of Tiger's success. With regards to the answer Butch Harmon gave, he said, I don't know, but what I would say is, because this, this is being played in the autumn this year and 2020 has been such a different year... He said, and that he said, I think they're they're changing that tradition just for this Masters, and they'll go back to it next year. 
And I took from that, like, you know, 2020 has just been such a different thing that, you know what, it, it, they're arguably... Not, not that they were writing the Masters off this year, but just because it was such a different tournament played at a different time of year and whatever, I think they just made the decision that, you know what, let's, we're going to get this one out of the way. We're going to celebrate with the winner, whoever it is. But hopefully next year with the patrons in, you know, get, get all the supporters, fans and that back in. And then, you know, let's try and make the Masters again what it what it is. What do you think, Dan? Do you think there's something in that? Um, I do, yeah, I think. It wasn't. It wasn't the same um, without the patrons in there and the fans. And there's a lot of different, a lot of differences that you don't see in April. But you've got, you know, you can't take anything away from from what Dustin Johnson done as well. You, you know, it's unfair to to put it down as you know as a as different, if that makes sense. Because oh yeah, still, yeah, I go. Going. You know what I mean. I was referencing yeah. purely the fact that obviously because it's an autumn Masters rather than a, a spring. Early summer masters, you know what I mean? I wasn't, I would take, I certainly wouldn't take anything away. I was referencing sort of what Butch Hartman said, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, it's the course was, you know, the course was different, but you know, you still got to go and play, you still got to win it, and you've done it very well. Going back to the difficulty of the course and what you, what you said before about players getting angry with themselves, they know, as I said, as I said earlier, the places to miss. So, if they miss in a, in, in a place where they weren't expecting, they know how difficult that shot coming up is going to be. So to me, to me, you and, and Chris and everyone watching, it probably to us, well, that's not too bad. But to them, they think, you know, this chip's going to be a nightmare. You know, I've got to mm. land this perfectly. And even if I do land it perfectly, I'm still not going to get it within five or six feet. Yeah, great point. Well made, Dan. Um, I think, can we just, can we just quickly say... Poor Cameron Smith. The only player ever, right, to shoot four rounds in the 60s. The only player ever to do that. And he still didn't win. So that just tells you how consistent the other guy was, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I had, you know, that was a point I was going to make in the minute about Cameron Smith. To turn up at Augusta and to... See, they say the only player ever to shoot four round in the 60s is, is an absolutely phenomenal achievement. And, you know, he's definitely one to watch for the future. He's still only young, so he's one to keep an eye on, definitely. Who? So let's, let's change the tack a little bit. Who's everyone's... Um, I'll, I'll let you have a couple because it's, it's very, very difficult to pick one. I'll, what I'll say is... Who's your favourite, just your favourite player? You're not allowed to say Tiger Woods in this, by the way, because if we all pushed, we'd say Tiger Woods. No, let's be honest. Everyone would say my favourite golfer ever is Tiger Woods, OK? I'm going to go a different angle here. I kept this question to myself. I didn't ask you today because I wanted to ask you on the spot. So the first question I've got is, who's your favourite golfer? Who's just your favourite, right? My second question is, who's your, who do you watch and think, I love the way he plays? You know, like, his technique is phenomenal. Do you know what I mean? So I'll go first to give you my example. My favourite golfer is Justin Thomas, right? No, it's not. I'm lying. My favourite golfer is John Rahm. I love John Rahm. I love everything that he does. I think I just think he's quite a cool guy. I like watching his interviews. I think he, I like that he gets annoyed with himself, but he pull, he, he when he pull, when he annoys, it gets annoyed. He always seems to pull something out the bag. Didn't have the best tournament, but he certainly didn't have the worst. Um, and 
my, my the one that I love watching the most, and I think his technique is phenomenal, is Justin Thomas. I, 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 every single swing that guy makes, he just looks amazing. Um, and my third one is my third one is who do you think is the next big thing for me? I think it's Fratelli. Um, I, I really, really enjoyed watching him on the weekend. I think he looks so calm and he hits the ball a mile. Not like the Shambo a mile, but very, very straight. Doesn't it? it doesn't look like he has a great, like a certain shot shape. A lot of his stuff went straight. Um, so, yeah, over to you. I'll let one of you far away. Go on, Dan. Chris is Googling us now. <laughs> <laughs> So just before I, before I start, man, um, a quick note on Fratelli. He was carrying a 48-inch driver this week. Um, very yeah, similar I didn't to the one say that, that yeah. using. So it shows that what the Shambo's doing, it, you know, it is rubbing off on other players. Um, as far as my favourite player to watch, it is Justin Thomas, I think. Just, he's a very nice swing, very basic, but just does it phenomenally well. Mm. Um, I love that little action he does, Dan. You know, before every shot, the Nick Doherty asked um, Butch Harmon why he does it. You know, where he brings it twenty five percent, and it's just to make sure he, he he brings it back on the same line every single time in his head. Yeah, it's you know a lot of a lot of players do have these little you know these little quirks and little little bits of preparation that they do and. You know, it, it obviously for Justin Thomas, it works fantastically well. He's a, he's a very good player and someone I can see pushing on even further over the next couple of years. Mm. Um, for me, one to watch for the future is Colin Morikawa. He's yeah. already won a major and he's still very young. Mm. Um, I think he's got a great future in the game. He really has. And he's just so professional the way he goes about his business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, who did you say? Who, who did you say? Justin Thomas is your favourite golfer, right now. Oh, no, or? sorry, my favourite golfer at the moment um, it is Dustin Johnson. He's just, he's just the best at what he does at the moment. Do you think he's no taking it to a new him. level at the minute, Dan? Yeah, I really do. I think if it. If it wasn't for uh, golf at the moment, in a great place because you've got so many top players. Um, you know, you've got your Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson, John Rahm. You know, Tiger's still there or thereabouts when, when Rory. You know, he does compete. Rory McIlroy, and you've got the young ones of Colin Morikawa, Matthew Wolf. You know, Till Hatton's starting to become a more prominent figure. Mm. So there's no one runaway player like Tiger was 15, 20 years ago when it was just Tiger and Phil. You know, now there's seven or eight top players. So I think if Dustin Johnson was 15, 20 years earlier, he'd be right up there with Tiger Woods. I really oh, wow. rate him that highly. That's a big call. But I yeah, I, I agree. Uh, the only thing is the he Tiger was hitting it as far as him then, though, wasn't he, as well? Do you know what I mean? Obviously, Tiger can't do that anymore, but, yeah, would have been a great match with that. Imagine, you know, if you could, did you know, you, you wish you could just grab someone out of, you know, like on a simulator or something and put, so like Jack Nicholas versus Tiger Woods versus, did, didn't he do that at like a virtual open once? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the fact that they, yeah. yeah. I never ever looked who won that. 
Nice one, Dan. Chris? I think Jack Nicholas won that. Chris? Yeah, uh, for me, very similar to Danny. Um, Dustin Johnson, for me, like you say, everything's effortless. All right, the lad doesn't show a lot of emotion, but every shot. Something he said in one of his um, press conferences was, you're either going to hit a good shot or a bad shot. There's no point dwelling on it before you're about to hit it. He walks up to the ball and he delivers. Right, whether he used to do that, but now the consistency of it, every shot he's hitting, he just had a phenomenal tournament, and he's brilliant to watch. But yeah, um, a lot since, since the lockdown, he has he he has to be fair, he's not done much wrong, has he? Uh, no. The only thing I would say is going into the you know, the FedEx Cup. Obviously, with the FedEx, you get you get you go on minus shots, don't you? Depending on how you finish in the rankings. Um, what's his name? Oh, the South African fella, not Louis Ustazen. Um, Shofley Zander, is he the American Zander? Zander, He's American Zander, yeah. Zander scored better than him, didn't he? But he was already he was. Let's just say he went into the tournament with only minus six shots. Johnson went into it minus 12 shots. So, obviously, if it wasn't for the... On the tournament play itself, Xander was the best player. But again, that, that at the end of the day, Thomas has, Johnson's gone in minus 12 because he was the biggest overall winner in the whole season. So, from a consistency point of view, Chris, like the point you make there, he's deserved that, hasn't he? You know? Yeah, yeah but the lad I want to mention for um, one to watch, whether it's... I'm not too sure on what he's done previous to this, to um, Augusta. But Sun Jae-in, I was really enjoying watching him, and especially his backswing. It's amazing, the first, it? Yeah, the first time I watched it, I thought it was a replay. I thought it was in slow motion. Oh, it's so and good. then just to watch him whip it forward, it's unreal, but it's every shot, every single one, he does exactly the same. An unbelievable yeah. backswing, but he, he pushed... Him and Cam Smith both pushed together and thought it was a brilliant, brilliant watch yeah. behind Dustin. His, um, his backswing so, so, so impressive. Do you know why it's more impressive? Because he's doing it so slow. You get to watch how straight it is and how in shape and how in line it is. And that, and then, you know, Denny or then obviously he must have a trigger. Daniel knows this better than me. He must have a trigger at the top that obviously he's there and then bang. Because he's gone back so slow, his muscle memory... His muscle memory must just know, and then they bring it back, and his his drives are straight. He's a straight, very straight driver of the ball. And he, I mean, maybe it's just the way he sort of holds himself, but he never looks flustered, does he? I don't know. He just never looked really in trouble for me at any point. Yeah. And looking at some JM, I mean, he he plays more tour events than any any other pro. Um, I heard Nick there was he saying he's played every event since the lockdown. He hasn't missed a week, so, Fair so play. you know he's used to the pressure, and he you know he's used to playing. Um, so I think he, I, I agree with Chris. I think he is one to watch. We um, so obviously I, well, as we know, I contacted a few people today, people who play at varying levels of the game, um, and I asked them for sort of as we were talking about golf, and obviously Danny's very good at golf, plays at a good level. Um, you know, used to be a captain of a golf club when he was when he was a junior and stuff. So I asked 
uh, a few different people of the five sort of common, most common mistakes that people make or they see people make at, at such an amateur level. Uh, I'll start with I'll start with Pete, who obviously Danny and I know. Um, Pete plays off, I think, six or seven. You know, very consistent. His handicap hasn't really changed for the last two years or whatever. And if it has, it's only come down. You know, it's sort of like coming down 0.1s, 0.2s. So very good golfer, great driver of the ball. Um so what I'll just kind of, I'll just reel these off and then we'll ask for Danny's and then I've got Jamie, the pro at our golf club. I've got his. Now, obviously, he's a coach. He's also a he's also a, a caddy on the European tour for Paul Waring. So pretty qualified to um, to say, you know, to, to say what he thinks the five most common things are. So I'll go with what Pete said first. Um, Pete said, number one, they don't practice three-quarter and half swings with each club or, or focus on how hard, how far they can hit each club total distance. People don't, people just do full swings and just, just hit it. Um, one that I can certainly relate to. I've only recently in probably the last month, two months, realised, you know, my seven iron goes 145. So if I'm within 100 yards and I haven't really got anything to go up and down for, I use my seven iron three quarter. It's going to get me to the front of the green, um, as Danny knows, because that seems to be my stock shot these days. Um, he said, this is something that everyone can relate to. I always say to Danny, I don't know how to practice. He said, people go the range, they get 100 balls, they hit them and they go home. They just hit them as hard as they can for as long as... I have no concept of practice. I don't know how to practice. Something when I have my next lesson with Jamie... I'm going to ask him 10 minutes to sit with me and explain a practice routine, how what I should do when I go to a, a, a golf range, because right now I don't know, and it's just a waste of a tenner. Um, when having rounds with their mates, people play mulligans and gimmies on putting. Mulligans everywhere. Gimmies, or oh, you've gone out of bounds on, on, a, on a drive to put another one down. He said, so there's never really, there's never a true score. When I first started playing with Danny, Danny was giving me mulligans everywhere. Um, and I can understand why. Obviously, he doesn't want me to get annoyed and he wanted me to learn. As in, there's no point, there was no point in us scoring properly at the beginning because obviously I was just going out of bounds a lot and it was becoming a case of just like, well, what's More the point? More of a case of learning how to hit the ball. Than keeping a Absolutely. score. Absolutely, Danny can appreciate that more than anyone. And Danny was great with me. To be fair, at the beginning, he's an asshole. Not because <laughs> um, you're beating me. Yeah, well, that's it. See, um, he's got that he gave me mulligans and stuff. Now, um, next one, he's put people buy clubs without getting fitted, and they just focus on the top brands rather than what suits. A set of Dunlop irons might be the best thing for a lot of people, especially. People especially don't get fitted for a putter, which is the club used the most. I concur with this. I have 40 putts around and it's just not good enough. I hit 100 shots in a tournament the other week and 41 putts. So, Tita Green, I wasn't bad at all. But 41 putts. That's horrendous. And then he put, finally, people don't commit to a shot. They don't focus on on the follow through or what, whether it be driver, irons, or pitching. If they never follow through, then it leaves them in in a bad position at the point of contact. So either snap hook or push the ball. Um, again, 
all five of those things, <laughs> things that I do. Basically, I'm shit at golf. So cheers, Pete. I reckon, hey, I don't even think they're things that Pete, Pete sees other people do. I reckon he's just, I reckon he's subconsciously just telling me that they're all the things that I don't do. <laughs> um, so yeah, all things you can relate to. I'm pretty sure the go in the range thing is something that even even at your level, Dan, you've been playing golf a lot of times. I bet you go a lot of the time and just you walk away thinking, I didn't really do anything there. Yeah, I did. I mean. I, I used to be I used to fall into that into that category. I used to go up, I'll get a hundred balls and then I'll just try and hit them as hard as I can as far as I can without doing any real work on my swing or or contact. I watched a video on Rick Shields um a few weeks ago about you know how to best practice and it really opened my eyes to what I wasn't doing when I was going the range. Um You'll have to find that Dan and ping it over to me. Yeah, I will do, mate. I'll show you. It, it, it was it was fantastic to watch, and it really opened my eyes to what the, the best the best thing to do when going the range. Um, I've been a couple of times since, and I've, I've used it. Um, I'm assuming you're meant to start with your wedges and work upwards to your driver, where there's 99.9 percent of people hit 50 with the driver, and then a few with the seven iron, and then a couple with the wedges. Am I right? Yeah, it was somewhere along them lines. Um, his first ten shots, he was just sort of playing a, uh, you know, was just playing a little game to warm up. Um, I can't remember exactly what it was, um, but he was just getting himself off wall. And let's just say it was good to watch. And I think you know a lot of people out there should, you know, should have a routine and a practice routine when they go to the range rather than just just try and ping the ball down there as far as they can. So what are your what are your sort of five things that you noticed, Dan? Um, you, you you can use me as your example if you want. Obviously, you've you've seen me progress a lot this year. You've played ninety percent of your golf with me. If if you if you want to use me as your example, by all means. But just in general, um, the first one I think is is a very common fault between between beginner golfers, and I mean, you know I, I fall into this category sometimes as well. Is I just stand on a tee and I just think. Drive as hard as I can, get it down yeah. there. Yeah, and you don't need to do that. Sometimes you know you can probably hit a you know hit an iron, and as long as you're in the middle, you've got yourself you've got you've got yourself a chance of, of going for the green, rather than being 30, 40 yards, fifty yards right, which a lot of time is the case with me with me driver at the moment. Um, mm. So that's one. Um, the second That's one. me, by the way. So the one out, of, hey, we're one out of one so far. <laughs> um, second one, which, well, you you know you've improved massively on this, and you know it's something we, we, again we all fall into no matter what level it is. Is course management. It's mm. taking the sort of the danger sort of out of the equation. You know if you know there's a bunker at 240 and that's how far you hit your driver or 220 you know don't take your driver because you you know we're not good enough to say don't go in the bunker but if we minimize the risk of going in the bunker or going in the water you know you again it's that percentage play isn't it and yeah something that i think that's something absolutely i think that's probably the one thing that i have that i personally have and you know, learning from people like yourself, Dan, this year, that you know, 
you've been amazing with me this year, to be fair. And and I watch, you know, you you've seen me in competitions and and you know, you've you've seen me head fall off. You you've watched me hit shots that sometimes you've wanted to say, Why did you play that? Why did you play that that free wood there? You know that you should have used your five iron poles, so why didn't you? But obviously that that's because you want me to learn. Sometimes you have to learn by ultimately failure. But the one thing I certainly have I have improved massively this year is getting my way around a golf course, knowing you know what in the line of the competition that I won, Dan. You know I shot ninety one, which you know is it's okay. I mean, I was obviously pretty good at my handicap at the time, and it gave me net net sixty seven. I won I won the competition by five shots in the end. But you know my last five holes was the most switched on I've ever been. I didn't play my best golf in them five holes. Don't get me wrong, but I've never been so focused of, as in knowing I'm not putting the ball in that bunker there. I'm not, I'm not overshooting this green. Do you know what I mean? I was so switched on because I obviously knew I had a chance then. Um, yeah, yeah course management at our level, team. mate, is non-existent for a lot of people, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you think about each shot rather than just going, getting a club out that you know, I'm comfortable. With, I'm comfortable with this club. I know I can. I can hit it. Like, you know, that could be a five iron, a six iron off the tee. As long as you're confident, you can hit it in the fairway, or you can give yourself a chance of reaching the green. Then that's something that a lot of you know a lot of golfers should you know, should be doing. And I don't do it myself. So it, it's you know, I'm 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 a, I'm a culprit of getting me driver out on a on a. 300 yard par four and, and trying to smash it as far down there as I can when I really don't need to. Yeah, but you know, on a nice day, sometimes you just fucking got him, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's, there's a hole at Penn and Park. I've got to mention this hole. Right. I don't ever used to have played Penn. It's a beautiful course. So the back nine is phenomenally hilly. You also, you, you arguably need to borrow a, a, a buggy just for the back nine. Honestly, yeah, Beautiful golf course, but there's a 250 yard, 250, 60 yard par four, Chris, on a downhill. It's sort of like it's not a, like a mega downslope, it's sort of a gradual downslope, yeah? yeah. And if you hit your driver straight, you're going on the green, but but there's a really, really just before the so it goes down on a gradual and then the green goes like that, right? But just before it goes like you know, inverted, there's a bunker right in the middle. Yeah, you know just, I mean? it's so just you, enticing you then to you trying to pull you towards it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, you, you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't like hit one along the ground and it would get to the green because it would go in this bunker. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You've ultimately got to fly it all the way, sort of thing. But it's such a beautiful hole. And there's another one, I think it's the 14th. Oh, mate, when you're standing on the tee, you can see the whole whittle. And then past that, you can see Liverpool. It's wow. absolutely stunning. And you drive 200 foot down, don't you, down into this big valley. Yeah, Absolutely amazing. Um, but you've got to use your driver on them two holes, by the way. Just with what you're saying there, it reminds me of that hole at Tyneside where you're on top of the mountain and you play off the top and it's got the um, the valley, the, the gully in at driving range. Yeah. For us at uh, like 240 or something like yeah, that. It's this, got the gully right across the fairway. The 14th of Pennant makes that Tyneside one look like a, a little bump. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's high, how how high up is it, Dan? It's massive, mate. Yeah, it's massive. Yeah, you, 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 yeah, you're taking off of it it's massively high, and it's just a stunning hole, mate. It's great. It bends. Was, it bends right down a big, a big. It goes down, but it bends round to the right as well. All trees on the right. If you're a slicer of the ball. I say slicer. I meant fader, but <laughs> but on all level, at all level, you're a slicer. Um, yeah. It's just a stunning hole. Um, Dan, any more mistakes? Um, which is one I didn't really think of until until I heard you say about Pete mentioning it is getting a fitting for clubs. Um, you know, when I went to get my my new set about five or six years ago. I went, to, you know, I went to get a fitting and it was the best thing I ever done because I got a set of clubs that, yeah, I had my eye on them and knew the ones I wanted, but until I'd actually hit them, I didn't realise how comfortable they were for me. Mm. And it's, you know, it, it is massive, a massive thing. And it's, it's, it's expensive, but if you are serious about the game and it's a game you want to take up, it's, it's worth the investment in getting a fitting, getting the right clubs. Yeah, and that'll massively help you in the long run. Absolutely. Um, I, yeah, it's at the end of the day, everyone starts golf with a set of golf clubs that their mate's dad gave them, or or the cousin gave them, or the well, you know what I mean. If there's I don't, there's no person in their right mind on the planet who should be going out and spending a grand on golf clubs, and then they might hate it. Do you know what I mean? And that's how it works. My second, <laughs> all my mates are going to laugh, probably wasn't my second set of golf clubs. I think I've been playing golf for 18 <laughs> months and I think I've had, I think I've had six sets of irons. But uh, I bought a set of blades off some fella because they looked nice. Didn't realise what blades were till I got home. Um, but yeah, I've settled on the M6, tailor-made M6 irons now and, and they just feel so good for me. Um, I did have a, I, I would say a fitting per se with Jamie. Um, he sort of, you know, ultimately I'd lost my job and I couldn't afford the irons that we were talking about. You know, once the fitting was done, so we sort of, he sort of said, "Here's the club pro," and he looked after me and he said, "Look, you need a set of clubs that have got a big, nice, big cavity. They're going to be quite, you know, um, what's the word, Dan? When forgiven, and be quite forgiven at your level. You know, you need regular shafts. So if, if you're going to go out somewhere and buy some." Shelf bolt instead of having a fitting, just text me before you do, and I'll say, Yeah, they're all right for you, Paul, or no. Do you know what I mean? And it's very good to me there because he could have he could have sort of fucked me off, you know what I mean? I've been mean, like, he's sort of wasting my time there. But he didn't. And then I texted him when I'd seen the M6s and he, he said, What shaft did you go? Whatever, whatever. And he was like, Yeah, Paul, they'd be great for you. You know, like and always I always appreciate him for that, because as I say, you know, I did go in for a fitting and whatever, and then all of a sudden he said that they were gonna be this this much. And I sort of shit myself trying to explain that I was going to have to try and justify it to Joe when I'd just lost my job. Um, you know, and he was he was dead nice about it, you know, and fair play. He probably doesn't even remember. Uh, but, you know, he could have spat his dummy out there, couldn't he? And been like, well, fucking, I'm not helping you. That'd be stupid. Um, speaking of Jamie, I'll, um, I'll, 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 he obviously he is, he is a caddy and he is a golf coach and whatever, he's PJ registered and all that. So I texted him and asked him sort of the things that he, he sees the most uh, most common. 
Again, I think he's just looked at me, watched me play golf, and thought, well, I'll just text you back, Paul, what you need. <laughs> I'll text you back five things, Paul, so then you can book five lessons. Wink, wink. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, he said, people don't take enough club. Uh, they think the ball goes further than it does. Yeah. Although everyone gets to drive, as Danny said, everyone gets to drive it out on every hole and just thinks we're going to hit it. You know, how long does your seven iron go? Ah, oh, one eighty. It doesn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. Between one forty, one fifty, one fifty-five, maybe. Um, but yeah, Jamie's absolutely spot on there. Uh, he said they generally choose the wrong shot around greens. The hardest part of the game, I, in my opinion, is around the green. It's something that dread, just fills me with dread, honestly. I'm so bad at it. Um, I have improved. I have improved a lot. I was using wedges 52, 58, or 56, 60. Now I've, I've, now I've gone to just using my pitching wedge. Unless I really need to go up and over a bunker. Now I use my pitching wedge and bump it on and run. Um, as obviously Danny will have seen a lot, I've improved that. But around the greens just fills me with dread. I've already had a lesson on it and I need another one. Because it just... That- that's something I like in my game. Not that um, like I use the eight iron around the green, go a yeah. little bump and run. That's, yeah, and that's it, one of my favourite shots. They're nice shots, and and that's what I use my pitching wedge for. But you can't do that when you say you're on a bit of grass, or and then there's a bunker, and then there's a green. You can't use that then, can you? Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I, I'm like ninety percent of of amateur golfers. When I'm stood over that ball, I'm not thinking. The only thing I'm thinking in my head is, and Danny's going to laugh now, don't go in the bunker, don't go in the bunker, don't go in the bunker. And I shouldn't be. I'm using a lofted club. I should be thinking, right, I'm going over the bunker. Where do I want to land it? But as 90% of amateur golfers probably think, you know, I'm, I'm probably doing a disservice, say 90%, but a lot of the people that I know, and me and myself included, are thinking, thinking, don't go in the bunker, don't go in the bunker. Where'd you end up? In a bunker, obviously. Do you know what I mean? And that's, that's I guess that's what Jamie's saying. You, you just choose, too many people choose the wrong the wrong shot around the green. Um, do you want to add to that, Dan? Um, yeah, as I say, it's it, 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 that sort of selection, isn't it? It's the main thing. And a lot of people, you know, as you say, do, do choose, you know, trying to throw a ball up high from... 60 yards rather than just bumping it along the floor. You know, you, there's a lot less risk if you're bumping it along the floor rather than, you know, if you're throwing it up 50, you know, 50, 60 feet in the air. You know, if there's nothing in front of you, there's just no need to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I think the bunker one is the dread of going into a bunker, certainly for me, uh, is it just fills me with dread. I mean, I had a lesson with Jamie purely on bunkers and the next time I went out, I think I played a worldy shot with me 60 out of the bunker and I've never done it since. So, um, he obviously taught me something. I just obviously haven't got the ability to retain it. So, Jamie, if you're listening, need to get back to the drawing board, mate, with the, with the bunker shots. Um, he said, and moving on to bunkers, he said the next one, don't hit bunker shots hard enough, not enough speed in the club. Classic case of just not not committing. We're in the bunker, you just gotta commit. It doesn't no matter what. 
you just got to get out of the bunker, haven't you? We're not good enough at our level. Um, even even show you degree, Dan, and you play off five, six, seven. We're not good enough to be thinking, right? Let's get it out and then spin it there and roll it up to the to bin. Uh, you know, we we have an idea of the area we want to get to, obviously, but at our level, uh, certainly at my level, it's more a case of shit. I just want to get out, and I don't commit to it most of the time. Bunkers are my absolute nightmare on a golf course, mate. I, I really do struggle out of bunkers, and it, it's something I could do with a lesson on. Um, you know, I, I try and I try and play it like I'm Phil Mickelson, when realistically, I just need to get it out and take me two putts, rather yeah. than try and aim it at the flag and end up, God knows where, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, um, this one, Jamie said, that people try and take on shots that they don't practice. That's a classic case of, yeah, give us give us a 60. I'll lob it over that three. You know what I mean? Or that's what it is, isn't it? You know what I mean? Give us give us a give us me um give us me me free wood. I'm gonna hit it off the deck. Never you never use it in your life. Do you know what I mean? Have you seen what happened to me when I done that and I went backwards twice? Oh, that's the funniest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. And finally, just quickly, he's put get he put they get the shaft too steep on the way down, so they struggle with longer clubs. That's a bit like you know, if you're used to using your, your, your sort of seven, eight, nine, you know, your seven, your eight, nine pitching wedge, whatever, and you and then because you're using them so much to go over trees and whatever, I guess you know, we're, we're not putting ourselves in the middle of the fairway, are we, Dan? Well, certainly at a much lower level, higher level, lower level than you, where we're in, where we can use a nice five iron or a four iron. And then all of a sudden we're struggling using it because we're never, never on a nice bit of fairway to be able to use it, sort of thing. Yeah, but this when you go, you know, again going to the range, it's something that rather than just getting the driver out and trying to whack a driver, you know, if you take the time to practice the, you know, as you say, the five four iron at the middle of the fairway, um, because it, it'll massively help you when you get to the course. Something that you probably don't think about, but will massively help you. So we're almost finished on golf. Um, just want to sort of touch on our own uh, targets for next year. What, what what did we have targets this year? Did we achieve them? Um, Chris, I know it's been a very difficult year for you. You know, move back to Oldham and whatever, and you just haven't had a chance to play. Um, and it's obviously been really difficult to see me improve because it kills you. Uh, <laughs> it makes me hard, you know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm dying for you to get back into it. But you know, yeah. winter's here now anyway, so just you know, there's not stopping you going to a driving range at the end of the day, is there? You know, get yourself. No, back the, there's one. There's one round the corner. It's not as good as the, the Morton one, but um, but yeah, there's one. Round the no, don't necessarily so. need 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 to know your distances either, though, do you? Accurately, you know what I mean. As long as. As long as you can sort of base yeah. it on your seven iron and, and work up that way, sort of thing. It's not like you yeah, need to know markers, distances. Yeah, yeah, there's markers out there and there's no top tracks and all that, but yeah, there's the markers. Is, but there's a lot of courses up here. It's just I need to get have the bollocks to go and play them on my own and stuff like that. But do you know what, I mate? do want to, I want to get down and I want to be playing Brenton with you and I want to go. Like, I'm looking forward to this, what we've just booked in April. Really looking forward to that, but I want to get a lot of practice in before. Yeah, you, you need to. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. No, um, you're alluding to the 
the golf day before me stag do. Yeah. Yes. Six sixteen we've got booked so far. I've had confirmation off both golf courses. Um, you know, breakfast and that at Wrexham, forty times. A bit, grab a bit of dinner, lunch, whatever, and then go and play clays, which is just around the corner. It's literally like going. It, it's literally five. Not I'm not even five minutes, honestly. Um, and clays is a beautiful course. It's uh, quite infant in its in its you know in how long it's been around, but it's a gorgeous course. Like you can't. Wrexham is a beautiful golf course. Like it's so stunning. But Clay's, I've never played Wrexham. I've just seen nice things about it. Um, my mate just texted me while we're on air now saying he's just watched the flyover at Wrexham and he just can't wait to get there. Uh, I'm, see, I'm definitely going to play it before we go anyway because well, that's just I'm the type of arsehole that wants an edge. But um, <laughs> Clay's, Clay's a lovely little course. You know, like it's, you can't, I was telling Danny yeah, yesterday, you can't get your driver out all the time. You, It's got lots of dog legs, you know, Lots of out of bounds. You've got to really, really think about every hole. So, um, be nice, and we'll we'll do a bit of a format. You know, a bit of bet. Have a few bets. Do a couple of teams, um, eight on eight. Um, do we we'll do a single stable for the highest points? We'll do a, you know, a, a doubles match play sort of thing for a few for some points and and we'd, yeah, we'll have a good day. But that's a warm up because me stag does the next day. So. <laughs> Then we're gonna get messy, but we'll do a presentation and I'm gonna have a few beers and that. You know what I mean? So it'll be nice. You, you, you probably best just staying down here that night, Chris, aren't you? And then yeah, it will do. Yeah, 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 definitely. Hey, I might have to jump in with someone to um, to go to Wrexham because I have to leave the car with here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I'll, I'll, I'll send you the t- I'll send you the invoice for the tenner petrol for that anyway. Um, <laughs> but no, if if need be, I'll just come and pick you up. You know what I mean? I'll just come and get you from home. But it's fine. I'm off that week. But yeah. Um, Targets, I'll do, Danny. Did you have any targets this year? Did you reach them? Did you? Did, what, what? What have you got set for next year? I know it's going to be tough with your new handicap, but um, yeah, for, um, my first target was to get to single figures, and I, you know that that was what I set at the beginning of the year, and you know I've accomplished that. Um, next year, hold on, hand- hold on, hold on, hold on. There's no way I'm letting you get off with being that modest. Right. You've had a hole in one this year in a competition. Rewind, please, <laughs> and go back. Go back. Percy, tell him. Tell him. No, come on. Let it out. There's no, there's no room for modesty on here. We've had hole in one before. You've got to let him know. Come on. Um, yeah, so... Single figure handicap, and okay, let's. I'll talk about it. Go on then. Um, <laughs> oh, since we twisted your arm, yeah. <laughs> to have a hole in one in a competition was, you know, was fantastic. And you know, I think, I think Paul, I think you enjoyed it more than I did, to be honest with you. I buzzed off it, mate. I was um, so happy. And that old fella uh, doffing his hat to you as well was just such a oh, nice, yeah, amazing was, thing. Yeah, it, it was such a good feeling. Um, you know, it's always been a target to get a hole in one. It's something that every time you stand on a par three, you, you know, it, it's for everyone. I think it pop, it's got to pop into every golfer's head when you stand on a par three. Uh, don't know, mate. I just try and get it somewhere on a around the green. I, do, I wouldn't even say <laughs> on the green. I just just think up there is good enough. <laughs> well, you know, I've, yeah, it's um, you know, I've got the watch and I've worn it a few times, and it's um, I've got, I've got it. I've got it with me now. Yeah, actually, to be honest with you, <laughs> um, 
going into next year, I haven't really got a handicap target um, because I feel like I'm struggling to play to play to to my Prenton handicap at the moment. So if I can just improve my putting and improve my my bunker shots, I feel like that'll give me a massive edge. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my target. Just to, just to improve them aspects of my game, really. Your putting is the only thing in your game that 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 like is well. It, it just it's just been quite poor this year, hasn't it? You know what I mean? It's not. It's it's you're you're not a, you're not a poor putter. You just you know what I mean. Like your technique's good. You've just had a bit of a poor year with it, haven't you? It just hasn't really worked. Yeah, it's you know I swapped I swapped putters to you know um. I've ever been through four putters, just being on my fourth putter, and that's not that's not good because I'm not learning getting any consistency mm-hmm. if I keep chopping and changing. You know, I've got one now that I like, um, and this is the one I'm going to try and stick with. Hopefully, the more I practice, the better I'll get. And I think my concentration on my putting is something that I need to improve. I'm very guilty of just five or six foot out, just standing over it and, and hitting it rather than taking the time to, I mean, not Dustin Johnson standards where my brother's standing over the ball. Wait, <laughs> um, we, we, uh, we can arrange that if you want, mate. I bring them with me on the stag, do. I mean, mate, you just stand you just stand in front of my putt, I'll stand in front of yours. Mm. You know what I mean? It, it, it can be arranged, don't worry about that. Um, I've really enjoyed playing golf with you this year, Dan. I've learned a hell of a lot. Um, for my my game personally, it's been it's been absolutely amazing. Um, I I couldn't have you know I couldn't can't praise you enough. Certainly the way you you make me forget about the shit shot that I've just hit or whatever, and when my head's about to fall off. So for that, thanks. Um, obviously, I was there when you done that hole in one, and to the to this day, obviously I've only been playing golf eighteen months. That's the best thing I've seen, and the best part about it is when you hit it. We both ducked and put our heads left, as if to say, "Hold on." You know what I mean, Chris? We we both went. Yeah. It's got a chance. This and it's rolling. It was rolling. It was rolling. It went in. Its pin was right at the back of the green. It was a lovely shot, a lovely nice flight on it. So it didn't just come down and stop. It went onto the green and carried on. And we've seen it disappear. And we started Plus. bouncing. And honestly, I feel like I did it. That's how. And now, uh, obviously, I wasn't taking anything away from him, but I'm sure Danny appreciates it as well because there's some people out there who are a bit arsy and would just get jealous. I felt like I was a part of it. Do you know, you know what I mean? And it felt amazing yeah. for me. I'd, I'm the first one I've ever seen, so I'll never forget it. And as Danny alluded to there, we got to the green. And when we started getting towards the green, he didn't want to look in the hole just in case. No, it rolled off the back or something. Yeah. And I was I like, go on, fucking go and have a look, will you? And he went, it's in, it's in. And obviously, we, like, he ran to me and we sort of like fucking bear hugged in there and he was buzzing. And then these two old fellas were like, at first, he must have thought, like, well, they're making a racket. Like, what's going on? And they were like, what, what's going on, young men? And Danny, I went, you just got a hole in one. And he's, this old fella took his hat off and like sort of doffed his hat and it was just a, it just to, it just topped it off. To be honest, it was just yeah, a proper, yeah. proper nice feeling. Um, so for that, and again, I, I you know, I, I got a plaque made for Danny with his scorecard on and got it, you know, got it made for him with the with the same ball and stuff. So something nice for him to to keep as well. And he didn't have a clue it's about nice it. Which, so when he picked it up from mine, it was it, it yeah. was um, 
it was nice. Yeah. So well done, mate. I'm sure I'm sure your handicap will stabilise a bit more next year. And um, I just want to say now that you won't win the golf day. Okay. Um, I'm going to use that as my friends for the stag do ah okay (laughs) okay (laughs) confidence go ahead lad so yeah with um, mine obviously this this year was the first full year I've had playing golf I say full year as in when we're going into January it would be the first full year calendar year obviously we didn't get to play from what March to May um, I bought new irons this year that I've actually kept for more than six months. Um, I had a few targets to be honest. I, I was 27 handicap when I left Frodsham. I joined. I joined Prenton in May. And I wanted to get down to 20, you know, ish, 20 and a half maybe. Um, and before the index came in, I was down to 20.4. So in that sort of nine months with two month, you know, two month layoff, I'd got myself down six shots. Um, obviously, so I'd achieved that. I wanted a round with. Uh, I want obviously I wanted to make a birdie this year. I've done it probably seven times this year, which and obviously not all on the same fucking day because I wouldn't be playing a present if I did but um, yeah I achieved that a couple of times and on one round I came very very close to doing it twice um, another one which a lot of people would probably laugh at I wanted a round with no with nothing more than a double bogey on for some people they'd be like fuming with a double but I just wanted no blacks on it um, and I've achieved that you know, quite a few times now. It's it's it's. I wouldn't say it's rare that I get a I get a sort of more than a double bogey now, but I've played the hole really poorly. You know, my in my own to my own standard. If I do now, which again shows the the, the real progression of where my games come to. Um, I have had quite a few less. I've had five, four or five lessons now. Um, I still don't know how to practice in any way. So next year, I'm really, I'm really going to focus on actual practice. And when I'm when I'm not on the course, I think instead of playing three times a week next year, I'm going to play twice and go to the range instead. Um, I want to really f- focus in on that, that learning to actually practice and know what's, you know, know what's what I what I, if I've just done something wrong, I want to learn how I did it wrong. Because now if I play a bad shot, I'm pretty sure I'm like 90% of others that you just go, oh, it's just a bad shot. Well, no. Do you know why it was? Like Quite often Danny's behind me and he'll go, you know why you pulled it left, Lloyd? And I'll go, no. And he'll go, because you were aiming way left. He's not going to tell me mid-shot or when I'm stood over the ball because I'm not going to learn otherwise. Um, And yeah, just... obviously I wouldn't say I wanted to win a competition because I clearly didn't think that was going to happen at all Um, but thankfully for me I did win a club competition this year so my name's going to be on the Prenton board forever uh, which has pissed a few people off but I don't make the handicaps I just play to it Um, I think it rubbed a few people up the wrong way because I won it off a handicap of 24 but at the end of the day that's not my fault Um, and as Danny said, you play with the handicap you're given. Um, so yeah, I've been a, I've I've achieved my one target, and my one target was to find something to f- 
that I loved more than fishing at the time. And now it's like fishing never, ever even existed to me. So what does that say? <laughs> Target achieved, I would say. Yeah, that's yeah. lovely. And it helps that I've been playing with people that have been sound as well. You know what I mean? There's, you know, Ray, Ray McDonald, a good friend of mine. Me and Ray have got on like cat and dog our whole lives. Always got on each other's back and give each other a bit of shit. But, you know, like... He, he winds me up more than any person on the planet because he knows I'll bite. But even when I go and play golf, and the first thing he'll say when we're about to tee off is he'll, you know, fist bump and he'll go, have a good one. And then I settle down then because the whole way there, I've been stressing that he's going to wind me up. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've just I've just found a new a new love. And especially the fact that I'm, you know, I'm 32 now. I'm not going to be playing football ever again on a Sunday. So I found that one thing that's, you know, my new love, I would say. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think for next year, I, I just want to. I'd love two birdies in a round, and I'd love I would l- absolutely love to shoot something between eighty-five and eighty-nine. That's got to be my target next year. Has to be. I'm pretty. Have you broke ninety? Once, have it? Yeah, eighty-nine. But it, yeah, I got eighty-nine. But oh, did, yeah, I got eighty-nine. But there's probably a questionable shot in there that I was given, you know, on the one of the greens, and it just didn't feel right. So although I secretly celebrated it, I didn't even. T- I only told Danny. You know what I mean? Because I, I would have got rinsed by the others anyway. So, uh, um, but yeah, that's it, mate. That's it for me. A couple of birdies in a round, and I want to, I want to, um, I'd love to shoot between an 85 and an 89. Yeah. Before we move on, um, do you want to talk about modesty for me before? When Paul won the competition at Prenton, the course was playing very difficult and he was the only player in 300 rounds of golf to shoot underneath his handicap. Yeah. Was I? I think Didn't even know that. Very, very, yeah, <laughs> very, 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 very impressive round of golf um, on the course. It was playing very difficult and very long at the time. Some go on that, mate. Well done. Well, thank you, my friend. <laughs> right it's um, almost time to wrap up it's been an absolute pleasure um, we must mention our friend Tom Williams and Peninsula Prince who is absolutely smashing life um, he's obviously now got a website www.peninsulaprince.co.uk anything you need printing and even at a short notice I'm sure Tom will be able to help you out a girl messaged me on Instagram the other day asking me where I'd bought such and such because she'd been let down with something that was coming from eBay. It was her daughter's birthday the next day. Tom printed her three tops in the same day. Now, I'm not saying, guys, that I want people to go and get on Tom with 12 hours' notice, but it just goes to show that, you know, he's a, he's a growing, he's a budding little business there. He's growing, and, he, you know, he, he's certainly prepared to go above and beyond to help people out if he can. So, uh, please, everyone... Get in touch with him. Get in touch with the guys if you if you can. You know he's 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 buying new equipments all the time. He's going into all kinds of different things you now, and he's just printed me this sickest 
Virgil van Dijk hoodie that I helped design with him and it looks unreal. Yeah, so he's I just will... designed something for me for Layla. That I was struggling for something for her because I've done something for Mason, but um, he designed that for me himself and sent me yeah. a load of images today. So brilliant what he's doing. Yeah, he's doing really well. And do you know what? As well, the is the prices the prices he's putting in for these things are are really really cheap. You know, and and he, he's not trying to have people off. And you know what? I love that. I'm not saying it because he's my mate. He's he's very you know him and, and obviously you know as Andrea must have a, a hand in it as well. He's been the, the really reasonable, you know what I mean, and and nothing's an issue either. I've texted Tom, I've texted Tom. Some I just texted him the other day saying I'm making a craft, you know, like an arts and crafts box for Josie for Christmas, and I'm buying this pink box and I want you know Josie and sort of unicorn writing and stars and rainbows and all that and a unicorn. I wanted to I want the stickers to put on it. Yeah, mate, I'll do that for you tonight. I don't. I don't even have to tell him what I want. He's just going to do it because he's, you know, he's got a great sort of imagination. So, please, if anyone, you know, if search him on, search him on Instagram, put into the Prince. Um, any questions, Tom will help you out. So, good shout out for you, Tom. There, um, and thanks for me, me, uh, me hoodie that I am to receive tomorrow. Danny, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for your time, mate. Um, two more weeks, kid, and we can get out. Um, yeah, can't wait, mate. Thanks for having me on. I'll text you about the other one in a minute. Um, Chris, pleasure as always. Thank you very much. Cheers, Dan. Thank you for coming up, mate. I'll get the stuff over to you. And um, yeah, it's been a pleasure, boys. Thanks very much. Everyone, take care. And we only have two weeks left in lockdown, so just plug in, guys. And I'm sure in December we'll all be able to go to the pub and spend our money. 14 days, 14 days. Take care, folks. Charming. Bye. Listening to the O Balls Podcast in association with Peninsula Prince for all your bespoke t shirt and clothing prints.